Okay, we're gonna um, we're gonna read from verse 21. Um, a lot of the time, when it comes to communion, we feel condemned. Uh, you think of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, and traditionally, when it comes to communion, we were thinking of I need to live a very holy life the week prior to the communion because I must qualify and take of the communion in a worthy manner. And I don't want to take of the communion in an unworthy manner, I want to take of it in a worthy manner. And then our worthiness was measured by have I forgiven somebody? And we would, in, in the week prior to the communion, we would think, Jy sê, ek sal nie over iets verkeerd gedoen het wat ek nog nie vergewe het nie, want as ek om nie vergewe het nie, dan gaan ek my oordeel oor myself drink, and then the curse is going to be upon me because I partook of the communion without forgiving. And that's an unworthy manner. And we brought worthiness into our conduct when it comes to the table of the Lord. And it's got nothing to do with it. Your conduct cannot qualify you to partake of the communion. I actually want to say this. Um, you need to be a sinner to be a partaker of the table. Because this table was prepared by the Lord Jesus for sinners. For people that, is, that, that, that needed salvation. Okay, I'm not talking about just sinners uh, in the sense of people that don't believe in Jesus. If you are in need of a Savior, you've qualified <laughs> to partake of the communion. So if you don't have, if you don't, if, if you can say that I am in perfect union with the Father outside of Jesus Christ without needing Jesus I am as holy as the Father without any need of Jesus Christ if you can say that and that is true then uh, you don't qualify for the communion but if you have ever had any sin or if you are in a daily need of the high priest, Jesus Christ, you've qualified for the communion table. <laughs> we qualify all the time. Amen. And we thought that we, and traditionally it was taught that we need to be very holy to partake in a worthy manner. And we're going to study out 1 Corinthians now and explain what a worthy manner is uh, to partake of the communion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. The table that he has prepared. Verse 21. Let's read from verse 20. When you come together, therefore, into the place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Now, let me explain the context here. Paul comes and he writes to the people in Corinth because they didn't know what the communion was about. They just thought it was just a normal meal. Everybody eats together. And, um, you know, uh, uh, they didn't come to celebrate the Lord's table. They didn't have a mindset concerning the Lord's table. They had... They just thought, we just eat together as a congregation. And this is what happened. And this is shocking what happened here. It says, For in eating, everyone takes before the other his own supper. And one is hungry, and the other one is drunk. Listen a little. 
<laughs> wat het gebeur? Hulle het, hulle het nachtmaal toegegaan, of hulle het kerk toegegaan, dan het hulle die nachtmaal, dan het hulle eie kost gebring, everyone brought their own food, and then, because there was like a tradition in the church where they would take communion together, but they didn't know what it was about. They thought we just eat together, and every person brought his own food, the one was hungry because they didn't have enough food, and the other one was already drunk. In church. This is the Corinthian church. <laughs> we all say we want to go back to the times of the book of Acts. We want to go back to the times of the book of Acts. We want to go back to the times of the book of Acts. We want to go back to the they didn't even know what the communion was about. Everybody brought their bottle of wine and they start fellowship there about business and whatever and then they got drunk. And this was the unworthy manner in which they partook of the communion. This is the context. Right, let's read on. For I have received, uh, verse 22, What? Have you not houses to eat and to drink in? And despise you the church of God and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner he also took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do you as often as you drink in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep or have died. For if you would judge for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when you are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Now this is <laughs> it's actually uh, three Sundays teaching to explain all those kind of things. You need to understand what the word condemn means. You need to understand what the word judge means. Um, last night I put on Facebook, this is, this is what the Bible says. It says, God judges us unto victory. And in the very next verse it says, I say, I shall a geknak the rit break me. His judgment is unto our victory. And I shall a geknak the rit break me. And I shall a, a lamp at nie, a, a, a rokende lamp at nie, I do Okay? Because his judgment is to set us free. Amen. He is on our side. He's a judge that has got our best interest at heart. So whenever he judges, it's for our victory. Amen. That's how he judges us. So when it comes to the communion here, it says here, if we are judged by the Lord, we are chastened by God. Chastened 
We get the same word chastened in the book of Hebrews, where the people were chastened by the Lord. And, and it says that, 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 that we should not despise the chastening of the Lord. But what was the chastening of the Lord in the book of Hebrews? The book of Hebrews was written as the chastening of the Lord unto the Hebrew people. God didn't chasten the people. God tichtig jou nie dier jou kind weg te neem en jou karse a pap wiel te gee nie man. God tichtig jou nie dier jou ijskast te breek nie. Want jou ijskast breek is jou vlees vrot wat hy vir jou gegeet. Just think of it, you know. God doesn't chasten us by breaking our stuff. So here it says that if we judge ourselves... We are chastened of the Lord. Chastening in the book of Hebrews means to God was correcting the wrong belief of the Hebrew people. The Hebrew people were believing that they were like, that they mixed Judaism with Christianity. They tried to mix the law with Christianity. They still wanted to circumcise their children, but they still say we are Christians. They still want to keep all the Jewish feasts, but they say they are Christians. So then he came and he corrected them and said to them, listen, you can let go of the Levitical priesthood and you can believe in the high priest Jesus Christ. And that was the correction. And that correction to the Jew was not very nice. Because the Jew believed that he was a special people. But here Paul comes and he writes, or the writer of the book of Hebrews, and he says, the Jew is not a special people. All people are equal and all people's got the same value because one price was paid for all and there's one high priest over all, be it the Jew or the Gentile. And then the Jews heard all of a sudden that this whole thing where they were the special people with the word of God, that that is now taken away from them, but God gives His Holy Spirit to every person. So every person can now hear God. So they were dethroned to a certain degree. And that wasn't nice. It's must be lekker om te hoor, jy sien my die baasie. Is dit nie? It's must be eenvoudig. Ek was altyd die baas. Ons was Godse, we were God's blue-eyed boy. You know, and all of a sudden, you're not that anymore. But all of all people are now seen equally in the very image of God. Okay, so, so he, come, he comes here and he says, if we judge ourselves according to the blood and the body of Christ, then we are corrected by God. So if we can see what the blood is for, if we can see what the body is for, then we judge ourselves in the light of the only judge, which is God, our judge, which judges us as innocent, which judges us as righteous, which judges us as not guilty. Because it says here, if you don't eat in a worthy manner, discerning the body of the Lord, in other words, understanding what the body is for, what the blood is for, if you don't understand that, you are drinking condemnation over yourself. What does that mean? You are just continuing in a life of destruction because of your unbelief in what Jesus Christ has done. Because healing and a, 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 a healing, a blessed life, a life of peace, let me put it this way, a life of peace and whatever f- comes with it is born from the revelation of the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. And these guys didn't understand. 
They didn't understand and they partook of this body in an unworthy manner. Not knowing what the bread is for. They thought the bread was there for filling my stomach. But this is not what it was for. The bread, when you take the bread of... Uh, uh, um, and let, let's quickly have a look at the bread there. And, and what the bread is. And we're also going to look at Numbers 21. Um, about people that partook of communion, if you want to call it that way, in an unworthy manner in the Old Testament. But before we get into that, let's, let's quickly look at the bread. The Bible says the bread, when the bread is broken, it is the breaking of the body of Jesus. Now what is the body of Jesus Christ? God became a human being. The Bible says Jesus Christ was born a man under the law. Okay? Let's just get our mind together here. We don't want to take off the communion table in an unworthy manner. Unworthy means you don't understand what the bread stands for and what the blood stands for. Now we're going to have a look at... Oh, and then when we look at it and we do understand, then we see ourselves in the right light and our belief is corrected and we live a victorious life because of what Christ has done. Okay, now, now we're going to look at the bread. The bread talks about the body of Jesus. When Jesus said, he broke the bread, he says, this is my body broken for you. What does it mean? We've always just connected Isaiah 53, which, which says, by His stripes we are healed. And we thought that that breaking of the bread only had to do with being healed when I've got a cold or a cancer or whatever. Okay, but there's so much more in the breaking of the body. We first need to understand what body did Jesus have. Jesus Christ was God incarnated into human flesh. So God het himself kom incarneer in a menselike life. And what a life het him kom incarneer? What kind of a man? The Bible says Jesus was born of a woman under the law. So Jesus was the embodiment of a human being that is under the law. He was incarnated into human flesh, sinful human flesh. A human body that had the ability to even be tempted. He didn't have any sin, he never sinned, but he had the ability, he could. That's why he was tempted in the desert, because he could have sinned, should he, should he have given in to the temptation. Okay, He was a man that's, that had to come and fulfill the law. He was the fulfillment of that law. So he was standing as... He, he was incarnated into the body Adam created after Adam sinned. So here was Adam, holy and perfect. Adam sinned and created... Uh, let me, let me put this way, a negative or an Adam that's dying. Then Jesus incarnated himself into this Adam. Because the only way God could ever stand before, or the any, only way man could ever stand before God was in Adam. Adam sinned and we all became sinners. The scripture is clear about that in Romans. 
We all became sinners because of the sin of Adam. And every human being was stood inside this Adam as guilty before God. But then God came, incarnated himself into this Adam, and then broke that body. <laughs> That's good news. Right there. Think of a governing body at a school. Okay? Or at a hospital. There's a governing body. That body makes decisions. That body has got the final say. It doesn't matter how rich you are or how good you've lived during the week or how intelligent your child is or not. The governing body of the school makes the decisions. If they've made a certain decision that you don't like, you will have to apply by that rule made by the governing body. In the same way, the body that has condemned us unto sin, the body that has condemned us unto guilt, the body that stood before God based on works righteousness, werkegerechtigheid, die lichaam wat voor God gestaan het, dier werkegerechtigheid, what happened to that body? Jesus incarnated himself into that body and completely destroyed that body. So that there is no more body before God wherein man is justified by his works. There is no body anymore. And now the Bible says cursed is everyone that's under the law. In other words, cursed is everyone that functions from the embodiment of works righteousness. And now he says to the people, you are experiencing the curse because you are not discerning the Lord's body in communion. You don't know what the body is for. It was actually saying to the church here, you just have a very nice fellowship and you're enjoying each other's company, but you don't have any clue what Christianity is about. And I find that today as well. You know, as I preach in many places and I, as, I, as, as I communicate with people, I find that many people don't know what Christianity is actually about. Christianity is actually about a God that incarnated himself into a system. And this system was called the system of death, which every human being was part of, and then destroyed that system forevermore. Amen. So that we now can have a new body before God. What is the new body before God? It is the resurrected Jesus. He is the new body before God. And He's got a human body. Kijk ons maar jyllink besef mense. God het a mens. Hy is a mens. Jesus is a mens. In the Old Testament it says God is not a man that he should lie. But he became a man. And glorified mankind. And today at the right hand of the Father, you will see a human being seated there. His name is Jesus. He's got eyes, hands, he can eat and drink. When Jesus Christ was appeared to his disciples after the resurrection... What did he do? He says, touch me. A spirit doesn't have flesh. You can feel me. 
Why is it so important to understand this body, this kind of body Jesus possessed? So that when we judge ourselves, we don't judge ourselves anymore according to the law system, but we judge ourselves according to the law system that was forever destroyed as a way by which you stand before God, by which you qualify to be blessed, by which you qualify to be healed or to have peace in this life. And you see the resurrected body of Christ, glorified human flesh, representing every human being. So what ons voor God staan vandag, in die licht van die verheerlikte lichaam. Fully qualified. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, when God made man, <laughs> He made you, and, and I preached it in this church last time I was here. Maar ek kon daar nie altyd my preek in die sonaan, die vergeet jylle ook seker. <coughs> nou, the reason why God made man was so that somebody could experience his quality of life. That's why God made you. God didn't make you for the number one purpose to serve him. God didn't make you for the number one purpose to worship him. God made you so that you could have his quality of life. So he created a body that does possess his quality of life. That is the resurrected Jesus. And the principles that's true between the Father and the Son is what's true now for every human being and God. And this good news is what we preach and what we are supposed to preach so that people can believe it. And if they believe it, they find the life of God coming from it. <laughs> Hallelujah! Glory to God! So ek wil vir jou sê, ons kan nie op een onwaardige wijze van die nachtmaal kom vat nie. Ons kom vat op een waardige wijze. Hy het ons waardig gemaakt. Ons kom nie meer met die denkswijse van ons is nie waardig nie. We come with the mentality of we are worthy doesn't matter what we've done we are fully qualified for when we take the bread and when the bread when we say this bread was broken for us it means the embodiment of my disqualification is forever broken yes. hallelujah maybe your heart will condemn you but God is greater than your heart. <laughs> Hallelujah. The worst thing that can ever happen. Let, let me tell you this. The Bible says there is therefore now no more condemnation. Condemnation in Hebrew, in Romans 8 there talks about um, a life condemned unto enslavement of the flesh. We've always thought it just means guilt. But we can take it as guilt as well. There is no more guilt for us. For He took away all our guilt. Amen. He took away our guilt. He took away our disqualification. The last thing that God ever wants you to experience is the emotion of guilt. Guilt is one of the deadliest things that you can ever have. Guilt will give birth to a person that you don't want. 
Let's say you feel guilty towards your one friend because she did something for you and you didn't do something back or she went through a lot of effort and you, you didn't do your part, now you feel guilty. What will the guilt do in your life? The guilt will give birth to a certain way of living and you will not be able to help yourself. If you see your friend phone, will you pick the phone up? No. Say, die vrouwkies naam is Yolanda. Yolanda het nou vir jou groot gins gedoen, he? Now you, but you didn't do your part, and now you feel guilty. Now Yolanda phones. If you see Yolanda Brink, what are you going to, you going to pick it up? Ah, Yolanda, hoe gaan dit? Nee. Jy tel nie die phone op, he. Why? All of a sudden, you want to speak to her, but you can't. Because guilt forces you. And God has come to take away all form of guilt between you and Him. That you never, ever once have to feel guilty. Because guilt is like a father. It will give, it's got the power to give birth to things in your life. Guilt can even make you pray. But your prayer is not born out of love for God. Your prayer is born out of guilt. Guilt's the father. Guilt can make you give money to the church. Not because you're generous, but because you feel guilty. Guilt can make you do many things for God. Or guilt can make you run away from God. It's like your friend, you know. You feel guilty. All of a sudden you find you, you wash your dishes, which you would normally not do. Why are you washing the dishes? You normally don't wash the dishes because you feel guilty. And now when it comes to communion, we've been thinking, let's look at our conduct, and then we start to feel guilty, and from our guilt, we confess our sins, and then start want to partake of the, of the body. It doesn't make sense. It's an unworthy manner. The unworthy manner in the Bible here, in 1 Corinthians 11, was getting drunk at the communion table, not knowing what it's about. The unworthy manner in the church today is the very same thing. We don't get drunk, but we don't know what it's about. And we come in an unworthy manner. In other words, we don't judge ourselves by the, as if we understand what the body is for and what the blood is for. One of the greatest quests, you know, I've, I've been reading a book. One of the greatest quests for people was this, for, for uh, theologians, was this one question. Why did God have to become a human being to forgive man? Why couldn't he just forgive? Why did blood have to flow? If we can start to answer those questions... We find the power of the gospel in our life. So that we... You know, God loves a human being. He loves a human being. He loves a human being so much He wants to be inside a human being. He doesn't want to destroy humans. He glorifies humans. Romans 8 says, He glorifies us. He will even make a human being, you, all of us that believe upon Him, immortal, that we can never die. 
Humans doesn't irritate God. God loves humans. Amen. So when we take the body and we say this was broken, says every, the whole, the whole system of disqualification was broken. The system where I'm under a law and the law produces sin in me, that body, I'm not part of that body anymore. I'm part of a new body. I'm part of a resurrected body. Amen. And then when we eat it, what eating means is um, you find your energy, you find your life from what you eat, isn't it? If you don't eat, you die. You are what you eat. So when we eat, what do we eat? Eat means... You remember the, uh, with, with Adam and Eve, they went and they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Jesus said, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. What does eat mean? It means to believe in. You believe in. So when I eat this, it means it enters the very core of my life. The core from where my energy flows. So in other words, the revelation of the, of the breaking of the law system, or I want to say breaking, the ending of the law system, and bringing a new system by which we stand before God, that is what is supposed to give you life. You find your life in the revelation of the fulfillment of the law. You know, I preach so much about this that I, sometimes I feel, well, I wonder if people hasn't heard it now. Because I've preached it over and over and over. But I find my life in that revelation. It is my food. It's what I eat every day. And if you come to my restaurant, all I have on the table is bread and wine. That's all I've got there. I don't want anything else. I don't find, I don't have junk food there. We can't serve junk food. It's going to kill you. We are serving the body of Jesus, the revelation of the ending of the law system and the complete breaking of it on the cross. Now, if you go to Numbers 21, this is what happened in Numbers 21 if you read from verse 5. They came and they complained against Moses because the road they took through the desert was very difficult. And then this is what they said, Why have you led us out that we should die in the desert? And here's no water here. And listen to this. Remember they received manna from heaven. Then they said, And our souls detest this light bread. And Jesus said, He's the manna from heaven. Okay? So they didn't know what they were eating. They were eating manna that was falling from heaven and they were living by it, but they didn't know what it was. It was a sign of the embodiment of Christ by which you will live. And what we have today until glorification comes, until Christ has come, all we have is the manna that falls from heaven every day. All you eat and all you live by is the revelation that His body was broken. The revelation that his life flowed, that the, the, the life of, of, of um, that embodiment flowed out of him, which was the blood. It flowed out. We drink. 
The revelation that that old life flowed away and that whole embodiment was taken out of the way and we have a new covenant now before God in this body and blood of Jesus Christ. And the covenant that I have now with God is cut in the resurrected Jesus and the covenant that the Father has with the Son I'm a partaker of. I don't have to keep the covenant. Jesus keeps the covenant. I am a partaker and a co-heir of God. To ons mede-erfgenaam raak, saam met Christus, wat het Christus beërfe, toe hy opstaan en die dood? Het jy al gedink oor dit? What did he inherit? He inherited a life where he never ever lives by any do's and don'ts anymore. But where God is so much in him that God lives through him. Isn't it? That's a life he inherited. An undying life that way. And we are co-heirs. You know what Jesus inherited in his resurrection? He inherited God forever in human flesh. And that's what we are heirs of. We are heirs of God. We inherit God. We've inherited God. Als dit hier nie blij maak, kan jy nooit blij wees hier. Nou kan nie as God jou blij maak. Maar dit is goeie nies. Om te dink ons het God beërwe. <laughs> Halleluja. And when God looks at us, He doesn't look at us as these little low servants that, doesn't, that He just tries to get to live right every day. No, He looks at us as His kind, His species. <coughs> There's no one else that, you know, if God decided to incarnate human flesh and then said, forever I will be in this incarnation forevermore, and I glorify it to be undying forever, then humans is the God kind. Ons is Godse type, man. You know, although I'm very friendly with my dog, I don't fellowship with my dog. Because he's not my kind. There's Eliana. She's my kind. They're my children. They're my kind. I like to fellowship with them. They are my kind. They, 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 I am one with her. My children are born from me. They're mine. It's different to fellowship with my family than what it is to f- fellowship with someone else that's not born from me. That's why God wanted someone born from Him that He could share His deepest beliefs Emotions with. And that's you. You. Not the neighbor, not the guy next to you. You, as a person, you. He delights in what Christ has done in you. So here's the manna. They said, our soul detests this light bread. What happened when that, when that happened? The Bible says fiery serpents came, snakes came and bit them. Then, when they could see, then he said, okay, they complained, they said, Moses, oh, we are dying, we are sorry. He prayed to God, this is what God said, take a snake, a bronze snake, put it upon a pole. In the Hebrew, it's a cross. Put upon that cross. And whosoever can look at that snake on the cross will not die, but he will live. Hallelujah. <laughs> this is good news. So what happens? Ons het nie verstaan wat die manna beteken nie. Ons het nie lichaam verstaan nie. Maar as ons kan sien, 
This is what the manna really is. This is where we live from. If we can see our guilt and our shame and the snake, the lost system, crucified. And we look at it with intent. Ons kyk doelgerig na dit. Wat beteken doelgerig? Ek kyk daarna met die doel. I look, at the, I look at the snake upon the pole with a certain purpose in mind. This is my purpose. I want to find my life out of the revelation that there was a snake on a pole and died. What is the snake? Jesus called the Pharisees brood of vipers, snakes. Hy sê vir die fariseers, jylle is een adder geslag. Hoekom? Want hulle jylle lewe het gegaan oor hy wet en om mense te veroordeel. They, their whole life was born from the law of Moses. He says you are born from the snake. Because what the devil wants you to do, this is what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to know what's right. He wants you to know what's wrong. Then you must do the right thing. And you can be like God by your power to do right and not by God living in you. That is denying Christ. But if you can see that the system which the Satan has brought, the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, if you can see that nailed to a cross, forever destroyed, died, and you can say the intent why I look at that is so that I can find my life from that revelation, you will live and not die. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Many of us look at the cross and say, this is what you kijk now. Uh, jy weet as een boer kyk na trekker dan kyk hy na trekker op ander manier as ek na trekker kyk ek kyk na die trekker en denk ek, ek wens die ding nou net uit die pad uit kom want ek kan voorbij kom maar een boer kyk nie so na trekker when a farmer looks at the tractor he looks at it with a certain intent how can I use this when I look at it it's just too slow in the road it must get out of the way irritating me in the same way with the cross it can just be this beautiful emblem of okay Jesus died for me but what does it mean when we say we take the, the body the body was broken for me hallelujah what's the intent the intent is never to be legalistic and have legalism make you guilty before God that you can start to live in a relationship with God from the God kind. Where you can realize that you have gained a seat in the Trinity. <laughs> you know, these words are too lofty for a carnal mind. The, the, we, as humans, got a seat in the Trinity. You know what that means? That means that you are on the board of directors, man. That's what it means. It means that your thought to God is as important as what God's thought is to you. He doesn't deal with you from the perspective of slavery. Because the old body was forever broken, the blood has flowed, there's a new covenant between us and God. Hallelujah. This is the truth of the gospel. 
Now Jesus says, listen to this, he says, I stand at the door and I knock. If you open up, I will come in and I will sup with you and you with me. What door does he stand at? He stands at the door of our heart, the door of our belief. And he says, if you open the door of your belief, if you say, I want to believe this truth, he will come in and you will eat and find your food and your very life from what he puts on the table. He will sup with you and you with him. And you will talk and eat and fellowship around this revelation of the breaking of the body and the flowing of the blood and the resurrection of Christ. God's knocking. I will tell you, he knocked at my heart after I received Jesus, man. Because I received Jesus, praise God, I know Yimel to glory to God. Amen. I'm saved now. That's it. And then I started my own way of serving God. I started to eat junk food. Didn't understand the breaking of the body. Didn't understand. I only thought the breaking of the body was so that I can be healed in my physical body. That's it. Didn't understand it. Didn't understand the blood. But he was knocking and knocking and knocking at the door of my heart saying, Bertie, will you open your belief to change? Open the door to your belief system. Because we don't want to open the door to our belief. We will open the door to the changing of our actions. But we don't want to, we can say, well, I can change here and I can repent of this and I can change here. And we are very easy to do that. But we don't want to change our belief. We don't want to have our belief changed. But what God is doing, even this morning, is He's knocking at the door of your belief system. And He says, I want, to, I want to challenge the way you believe about this body. I want to challenge the way you believe about your relationship with the Father and what God has done. Amen. You know what God's number one thing is? God's number one thing is He wants you to believe what He believes. He believes your sin has been paid for. He believes that you're fully qualified. He believes that you are His kind. He believes that He's in Christ created a place in man that is so good that He can forever indwell it. God believes so much that you are the God kind that He will never even override your, your, your free will. And when we can start to believe and see what God sees, and this is what the Bible says, righteousness is revealed from faith to faith. Die gerechtigheid van God word in my leven geopenbaar van geloof tot geloof. But it betekenis, I see God's righteousness manifest in my life when I start to believe what He believes. The gospel is not the message of how we can convince God to be good to us. The gospel is the message of a good God that has been good to you and wants to convince you of His goodness. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He's knocking at the door. The Bible also says there was a, a king that had a marriage feast for his son. Matthew 22. And he invited people. Just come and eat for free. <laughs> and the one said, and you can go look at all of the excuses. It's all works orientated. 
I'm busy working. I don't want something for free now. Ek het stuk land gekoop, ek het os gekoop, ek het dit, ek nou net een vrou getrouw, het is ook werk. So nou en dan. Die vrou is die werk nie, maar die huis waarin die vrou en jy bly, is werk. Nou ek het we busy. We can't come now. And that's exactly what happens so much. We are so busy doing things for God that when God knocks at the door of our belief, we say, no, no, I'm not in the mood now to have something for free. I'm busy here. I've got a vision and I've got a strategy. Instead of having the belief changed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I want to end off this way. The Bible says in Malachi chapter 3, it says, Bring all the tithe to the storehouse. That there can be meat in my house. Okay? Now we can understand Malachi 3 for the very first time in our life. Bring all the tithe to the storehouse. That I can space in my eyes. Malachi was a prophet. Dear prophet, it came and he prophesied on Jesus Christ. Prophesied to Christ. And he says, bring the real food to my house. That there can be food in my house. That household there, he says, uh, uh, um, it says, bring the tithe to the storehouse. That word storehouse is the Hebrew word family. I want real food in my family. Prophesying to Christ. Why did he want true food in his family? That people could eat it and that the curse could be broken over their life. Bring, he says, bring ye all the tithe to the storehouse, that there might be meat in my house. John 6 from verse 55. My flesh is meat indeed. Jesus, I want meat in my house, that my people can eat in remembrance of me. So the curse can be broken over their life. Because the curse we under is the law mentality. But when we can eat and see the body broken. Amen. I'm not saying we should not give. I'm not talking about giving today. Let me use it in the connection with giving. If you are under the curse of not being generous. What you need to do is eat the body of Jesus so that peace can come to your heart concerning your financial future so that generosity can be born in you that you can be a giver born from God hallelujah it's all about what we eat what do you eat what do you eat we eat the body broken he says, do this in remembrance of your sins last week. <laughs> no. <laughs> we don't take the body and say, O Jere, het ek nou gesondig of het ek nou nie? Nee, nee. De sonde! You are sinning. By doing it, sinning means to miss the mark. Sin means not to be a partaker of. 
You're not partaking of the original intent of Christ when you are saying, oh, here, what did I last week forget to do? What have I done wrong? I hope I haven't got an unconfessing. I hope I don't die. <laughs> no. This is what we do. Father, this body was broken. And I remember, when, I, when this bread's broken, I remember you. I remember. I remember you. I remember innocence. It concludes unforgiven. It concludes there's nothing separating me from you. I am innocent forevermore. And I'm not going to be guilty of tramping the body and the blood of Jesus underfoot. But I'm going to see what it really is. Thank you, Lord. You know, when we come to the storehouse, when we come to the, the family of God, what we do, we bring in our mind, and today in communion, we bring the body of Jesus, we bring the blood of Jesus, and we judge ourselves. I want you to judge yourself today. Urdeel yourself. So many times we want to say, judge yourself to see what you've done right or wrong. No, no. Judge yourself to see you are worthy. Worthy is the Lamb that took away all our sins, that has qualified us. Glory to God. Let's just close our eyes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
I just want you to think <clears throat> of your life. You might be in some distress, some worry. And that worry dictates to you. That financial stress or that sickness, it tells you that you are not more than a conqueror. It says, if God was your God, why are you still struggling with this or that? That voice that you hear was broken forevermore. Neither does sickness or prosperity have got any say about our life. There's one word about your life. It's called the Word of God. God's Word. What God says. God's Word about your life is seated at the right hand of the Father. If you've got sickness or if you've got health, the Word is the same. It cannot change. It means God's feeling his emotion towards you can never change. He loves you. He loved us while we were sinners. You might think God was so angry at me that he had to punish somebody to forgive me. It's not true. God loved you while you were a sinner. And the death sin brought upon Jesus oh hallelujah just experience your purity experience your innocence and how the father accepts you hallelujah thank you Lord father we want to thank you for your table we want to thank you for your body that was broken for us your blood that flowed, that left us as co-heirs, people that inherit the very kingdom of God. Thank you, Lord. We take of this in a worthy manner, knowing what it is all about. Thank you, Father. As I take this bread, I want to tell all of you that his body was broken for you. And now you know what it means. As you eat of this, do it not in remembrance of your sins, but in remembrance of Him, for He is God's remembrance of you. Hallelujah. And when you take the wine, you drink it in remembrance of a new covenant. The old one is gone. <laughs> the old one is gone. And as you drink it, and you feel it, and as you eat it, you know this is, the, the revelation of this truth is the energy of your new life. It's what gives you strength. Nothing else. Listen, this is all, the, these two things, this is all God provided to give you strength. The revelation of the end of the law and the new covenant. That's all provided nothing. This is more than enough. Amen. Father, I thank you. I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.